0: week to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the reality that Jesus is alive and what it means. And that's the the purpose of this this week for, for Jesus' followers. And so I want to share a simple and encouraging message with you today. Jesus wants to meet you Right where you are. Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. I' give a quick reminder of, of where we are in the story, and then we're going to turn to John chapter 20. Eyewitness accounts, historical accounts speak to the fact that Jesus had a miracle birth, a notable miracle birth, lived among people in in a lot of ordinary ways for much of his life, yet without sin. He, 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 He wasn't making mistakes. He wasn't living in toxic selfishness. He was living in purity. And this is notable for a few reasons because when his identity was revealed as the Son of God, He would teach the truth, speak the love of God, and gave healing miracles that were a sign that He was no ordinary human. Religious leaders of the day seemed threatened by Him. Raised up opposition against Him. Even though it seemed that everyone who was following Him was affected for the good. There was positive change that was happening. But he was speaking the truth that there would be forgiveness of our mistakes, of our sins available through him by God. This would upset the religious systems that were focused on controlling internal, external behaviors. It would turn instead to a, a spiritual faith, a relying in God in this new forgiveness. And they, the religious leaders raised Objections and false accusations. Jesus, who had lived pure, was falsely accused, condemned to death by crowds in the same city that had spoken praise about Him. And the Romans who ruled at the time who were experts in in torture and execution and recording it, put Him to death. The most shameful way that you could die It was public. It was an event. It was what was being talked about. His triumphant entry into the city we talked about last week, people were talking about all through the city. And then in short order, he's put to death in a public way. On the third day, just as he predicted, God raised Jesus from the dead. It was a miracle. He appeared to the two Marys. And then in turn to a few of his followers. And he told them to go on to Galilee to meet him. And they were there in a room behind locked doors as had become their custom in those, in those few days because they were afraid for their lives. They went on to Galilee. And Jesus appeared in that room despite the locked door, alive. The resurrected Jesus appeared to them. And that's where we pick up the story in John chapter 20 this morning, because Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later. This passage is very concise storytelling. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. This this story would be easy to just kind of gloss over, maybe even misinterpret, throw shade at. But it communicates to us the truth that Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. That Jesus knows what it is that you need. Knows what it is that you want to see. But Jesus wants to meet you right where you are and reveal who He really is. And that it can be life-changing. It can be good. I wonder what Thomas would have to say to us if he were here with us today. So I want to talk just a little bit about who Thomas is. uh, The little bit that we get about him. He's one of the twelve disciples, but interestingly enough, a few of these stories about him are only in John's account. We get this one story about Thomas, when Jesus had started to travel, Jesus had started to go around from place to place and teach, do healing miracles, and free people from dark spirits. Jesus had friends, including Mary and Martha and Lazarus, that Jesus visited, and he went on to other places, and then Lazarus died. And Jesus wanted to go back and ultimately do a miracle, raise Lazarus from the dead. But the disciples, the followers of Jesus said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you, trying to kill you. Are you going to go there again? But it was Thomas who said, let's go. Let's go too and, and die with Jesus. He's like, bring it on. It's Thomas who has the courage and the devotion to Jesus. It's Thomas who says, hey, I don't, I'm not worried about the risk. Whatever happens, Jesus wants to go there. Let's go there. It's Thomas who says that. and that, That's notable for us, right? To help us get a, a little bit more of a three-dimensional view of who Thomas is. Thomas clearly had been changed by Jesus. He's an ordinary person like you and me. Strengths and weaknesses. Selfishness, mistakes, and a yearning for something better. A yearning for something more. And clearly when he was eye to eye with Jesus and heard Jesus talk about this forgiveness of sin, this new spiritual life, something changed. Where he would abandon his old way of living to follow Jesus Thomas wanted to be close to Jesus. He wanted to be close to Jesus. He saw Jesus meeting people right where they were. He wanted to be close to Jesus. In John chapter 14, we see where Jesus is starting to prepare his followers for a time after his death, burial, and resurrection when he would return to Father God in the heavenlies. Jesus is trying to prepare them for this and Thomas just wants to be with Jesus. And Jesus says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going? No, we don't, Lord. Thomas said, We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And in that moment, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In that dusty part of the world, in a time of history of great conflict, where so many things were outside of their control, Jesus meets them right where they are. He speaks to the faith of Thomas who just wants to be where Jesus is. And he says there's more to this life than what you see in the here and now. There's more to this life than what you see in the here and now. I'm going to the Father into the heavenlies to prepare a place for you. There is something better that is ahead. there is something that I am at work doing. There's purpose for your life here and now, and yet there is more than what you can see in the here and now. But Thomas just wants to be with him. So what, what happened? What? What happened? Thomas, who just wanted to be with Jesus, comes to the place that we see in this story where he says, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, place my hand into the wound in his side. What had happened? That Jesus would need to come to him and say, appear and say, put your finger here. Look at My hands. Put your hand into the wound in My side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And Thomas would exclaim, would respond, would, would reach out and touch the hands of Jesus, the scars. Touch the scar on His side. And his response would be, My Lord and my God, what happened? What happened was that Jesus was killed publicly by Roman soldiers who were experts. The victory, the vision that they had had about what happened following Jesus would be like had suddenly changed. And now there were multiple forces at play. The the Roman military, the Jewish leaders, and many others who, who didn't look to Jesus as the answer. They saw Jesus die. Even though they had seen Him raise Lazarus from the dead, it was a defeat that was too much. And you imagine, on the third day Jesus is resurrected, but Thomas isn't there. He doesn't see it. Imagine what the hours of those days would have been like if Thomas probably didn't sleep very much. This was all beyond his control. This is all beyond his ability to change. What had happened was he saw a very public defeat of Jesus, of the way of Jesus, of the way of life that he had hoped for. And he comes to this place of interacting. And they say, Jesus is alive. But Thomas says, I I won't believe it, I can't. I won't believe it until I see Him. And Thomas has a specific request. To see the scars in his hands, to touch them. The scar in his side that was the spear that was to make it very sure that Jesus was dead. But Thomas, Thomas doesn't want false hope. Thomas doesn't want to get his hopes up again just to be crushed. Thomas doesn't want to be fooled by an imposter. Thomas went through eight days after that. It's almost two weeks from the time he'd seen Jesus die, right? What are those days like, those 11 days before Jesus is ultimately re- appears to him? What are those like? I think it was like a long winter. And we had some beautiful weather these last few days. And I know for a lot of us, it's been like bringing joy because it's been kind of a long winter. Yeah, well into April, and we have days in in the twenties or the temperatures in the 20s. But I think for some of us, over the past two years have been kind of like a long winter. So many challenges that have been beyond our control. So many things that have not gone the way that we had hoped. Personal setbacks. Loss of job, loss of income, a medical diagnosis. Obstacles, difficulties, pain, suffering, things that seem beyond our control and at times things that it seems that God is allowing to happen. The victory that we had hoped for in our own lives, in our church, in our city, in Christianity at large, we don't see it happening. I think it's been a long winter. I think some of us feel like this. I think some of us feel like this picture, just holding on in a storm. The wind, the storm of life. The, the winds have swept us off our feet, and we're we're holding on to the light post for dear life. And I applaud you for holding on. You are amazing for holding out hope then when you don't see it in the here and now, you are holding out a hope. You are holding on to Jesus. You know, in the Midwest where they get these great storms, and sometimes with wind and sometimes with dust and sometimes with snow, they can't see the way the farmers and the ranchers would tie a, have, have tied a rope before the storm came between the barn where the horses were and their house that they could use to follow the rope back and forth to feed the animals, to take care of them, to see the way through the storm. And I think some of us have tied a rope to Jesus. We've tied a rope into the presence of the living God. We say, I will hold out hope even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, I will hold out hope. That what Jesus said is true. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus wants to meet you where you are. Jesus wants to meet you where you are. That there are some challenges that we are facing that He wants us to call out to Him for change. So that He can do a miracle so that only God can get the glory. But I don't want to leave Thomas without looking at four truths from this astonished skeptic. Because I think even in the very simple statement, my Lord and my God, there are four truths that Thomas would want to communicate to us. Even in this very concise storytelling, there was something that was changed in Thomas. But I want to also tell you that if you're wrestling with your faith, that that struggle is often the surest sign that we actually have one. It's a really good book from a pastor, A.J. Swoboda, After Doubt. The struggle is a sign that we actually have faith. So what are the four truths from this astonished skeptic in his statement, my Lord and my God? Well, the first one is that Jesus suffered and died. I think it's a gift that Jesus didn't wipe out the scars. Certainly He could have done that, right? God could have wiped out the scars. The scars were proof that the death occurred. Jesus isn't saying that the challenge you're facing isn't real. That the, the defeats that you've suffered aren't real. That the losses that you've suffered aren't real. No. Jesus doesn't negate, doesn't say that the loss didn't happen. They nailed Him to the cross that was the, in His wrists. The scars from those nails, right? One of the soldiers pierced his side with the spear. Thomas wanted to see it. Normally, Roman soldiers would break the legs of a person being um, crucified so that they would suffocate. But instead, with Jesus, they believed he was dead, but to be sure, they put a spear in his chest cavity, right? Thomas' exclamation says that the scars were there. Jesus did not deny that the death had occurred. Jesus suffered and died. What his exclamation also says, my Lord and my God, was that he believed the teaching of Jesus and that when God raised him from the dead, it was proof positive that the deal was still on, that the forgiveness of sins, a new spiritual life was possible. Jesus can bring forgiveness and new life. That's the second truth from this exclamation from Thomas. What do we see the followers of Jesus believed Ephesians 1.7 He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. In 1 Peter 2.24 Peter writes about Jesus. He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin separated from it and live for what is right. A new life is possible. But they believed John chapter 1, 12-13, to, to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. Born again, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. This proof, Thomas, this astonished skeptic, but Jesus came and met him right where he at, showed him the scars, what he needed to see. Jesus met Thomas right where he was at, and it was proof positive that forgiveness and new life is possible through Jesus. The third truth we give from this statement is that Jesus is Lord above, right? Above one that we would look to as an authority, as powerful Lord and God, the Son of God. Jesus is Lord and God. That's what Thomas says. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Peter declares the truth. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Jesus is the Savior, the Lord, the Son of God. They believed it to be true. And on this day when Peter makes this statement public in the same city where it occurred, 3,000 people come to believe that it is true. Christ Jesus, though he was God, Philippians 2, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. God elevated him to the place of highest honor, gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thomas, this astonished skeptic, who Jesus met right where He was at, declares this is the identity of Jesus. But not only that, the fourth truth that He declares is that Jesus is my Lord and my God. Very specific statement. This recognition that Jesus had met Him right where He was at. Right at the point where He said, I can't believe it unless... Jesus didn't come with condemnation. Jesus didn't come with judgment. Jesus came and met him in a personal way. In a very personal way. Jesus wants to meet you in a very personal way. He declared, Jesus, my Lord and my God. And Jesus responded, you believe because you've seen me. We see that the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs. This is how John closes out chapter 20. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written, the ones that have been recorded, they're written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. This exclamation from Thomas, this astonished, cynic, skeptic, this change that he had was recorded. It happened and it was recorded so that you could believe and so that by believing you could receive this miracle of new spiritual life, this miracle of change right where you are. Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. I don't know what your specific struggle is this morning, but certainly we know some. And I know that it's quite possible that, you know, over these last few months as some of us are trying to put on a brave face for just how difficult the long winter of the last couple years have been. I want to say to you, Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. not coming to judge you, to separate you, to give you no hope. No. He's coming to meet you right where you are. He knows the way in which you need it. He knows what it is that you want to see. But He wants you to see Him for who He really is. He wants to make that relationship available with you a personal relationship available with you that brings change. It brings transformation. The truth of the matter is is that if we don't believe that the death, burial, and resurrection really happened, and we don't understand what it means, nothing else in the Bible is going to make sense or matter. Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. We get one other glimpse of this in the revelation that John had. Jesus speaking, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus wants to do. This is how Jesus is available. Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. Everything that we've done this morning is to give you an opportunity to interact with Jesus. Who Jesus really is. Lord and Savior, Son of God, who is alive today, who makes it possible for us to be forgiven of the mistakes that we've made and have the guilt removed, be given a new heart, a new spiritual life, and who wants to see new life breathed into each of us, wherever we are in our journey of faith and doubt our journey of interacting with challenges, our journey of facing defeat and struggles and delays. Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. Right where you are. Let's pray in these closing moments together today. First of all, I want to speak to and give an opportunity to anyone who doesn't know Jesus as Savior. Or maybe you feel like you have drifted from it and you need to come back to a devotion to Jesus. You know, this is a journey that we experience in a variety of different ways, and for some of us, there's a a moment of interaction with the spiritual that causes us to make a decision then followed by learning. And for others, it's a long journey of learning and then culminating with a spiritual interaction with Jesus in a decision. Regardless of where you are in the journey, and we want to make ourselves available to you through um, a variety of different methods. We'd be glad to, to connect with you right where you are to help answer questions. But this morning, we want to give you an opportunity to pray to have that kind of relationship with Jesus that Thomas did. There was a miracle in Thomas that caused him to go and to change the nation of India. The long history of Christianity in India, which has developed universities and hospitals and many wonderful things, can trace its roots back to Thomas. Where are you? Jesus wants to interact with you today. And so, if you're at a place where you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior or even come back in a a state of rededication, I want to say a very simple prayer just to kind of help you in that journey. And so maybe maybe all of us today could just uh, repeat this simple prayer after me to help those that might want to be interacting with Jesus today. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe... That you died for me. I confess my sins. Forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I turn away from the past and I turn to you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. We celebrate with you. Any who prayed that prayer today, we celebrate with you. Jesus said that there was a celebration in heaven. The angels would celebrate anybody who would make that decision today. And I want to pray for all of us today in closing for two things. A very real interaction with the personal Savior Jesus. And an encouragement of your faith. So feel free to just be in a posture of receiving today as I to just pray over us today. Lord, I thank You that You gave us the example of Your disciples who said to Jesus, we believe, uh, help us in our unbelief. An honesty about the complexity of life and faith and reason. and honesty about the, the depth, of, the variety of this journey of life of facing defeats and having a hard time realizing that they are temporary. Lord, we come to You in devotion and asking for Your help. Oh God, I ask that You would reveal the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in a very real way to each person. Each person in the sound of my voice would would have Jesus Christ revealed to them in a very real and powerful way. That they could see Jesus for who Jesus is. That it would become more real, more evident than anything else that they see today or this week. But God, certainly we come before you honestly today saying that it has felt like a long winter. There has been difficulties. There have been challenges beyond our control. There are challenges we face today that we struggle to see where the victory will be. But God, we choose to rely on you. Oh Lord, I ask right now, because of Jesus, that by your Holy Spirit you'd come and you'd encourage the faith of each person. That they would sense who God the Holy Spirit who guides us in truth, who brings encouragement, a lifting of our head, a lifting of our hearts, a lifting of our spirits to believe that you are who you said you are, to believe that in you there is victory. Victory that is better than what we had hoped for. Victory that is better than what we had imagined. Let there be an encouragement of our spirits today. We thank You, God, for what You're doing here and now, for who You are. Lord, You are good. We put our hope in You, the belief that heaven is our home, that there is something better that is ahead, that You are who You said You are, You're ready to meet us right where we are today. We thank You, God, for all You have done here, around us, among us, all You're going to do through us in the good days that are ahead. We thank You, God, You're bringing about a new season. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If you'd like to receive prayer today, please don't leave until you've reached out to one of us to ask for prayer. I'm so glad that you would be here today. I know we have, with spring break, a lot of people that are traveling this week. But we are, we're so glad that we are a church family and able to share the, the joys of life as well. Thank you for coming today. I just say grace and peace to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ben is so faithful to tell everybody when all your birthdays are. But he did not mention that this Wednesday, which twentieth. It's his birthday, so... (laughs)